Hold us together. That's her. Um, it is 19 minutes just before 8. And this is Jet Set Breakfast. It's Bertha Charuma in for Michelle for this weekend. So thought leaders, storytellers and griots, uh, Fatola responding to 2024's budget delivered by the finance minister. That's Enoch Godongwana. And what uh, Fitola does, it's a, it's a multifaceted business. Um, that uses its multiple, you know, sub-brands, programs, partnerships to nurture the growth and sustainability of businesses and entrepreneurs in um, in Africa. And basically, they aim for annual growth in SMME turnover. So it's like you and I, the small business person on the ground, and what really does this mean when the finance minister does not even, you know, give you a little bit of a wink to say, we're going to assist you, or when they say they assist you, you don't really grasp or understand the physicality of the help that you're going to get. But joining me to unpack this issue, I've got uh, Catherine Weinberg, CEO of Fatola. Good morning and welcome to Jet Set Breakfast. Good morning, Bert, and I love your intro. It doesn't even give us a wink of possibility. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm a little bit bruised because I'm I'm in that basket. <laughs> yes. Yes, let's have a talk. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so so here we are. I mean, the finance minister, he he gave us his budget speech and um I know that he focused on other issues. What was your take? Especially yeah, in regard yeah, I mean, to my, what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, so obviously from an entrepreneur's point of view, we wanted a stimulus budget. Budget we wanted clarity and confidence from government that we're, you know, they're going to invest in the, um, they're going to invest in the economy, and we're, and because of that, business confidence is going to increase, and there are going to be opportunities for small businesses to 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 feed on. Uh, but we didn't get that, did we? Um, we got some sort of thing. Okay, there's not going to be an increase in um, in tax, uh, but really for the for the average entrepreneur, it wasn't a great budget. Um, yeah, but you, you and I and everybody else out there, we just have to suck it up and, and make the best of uh, what we have, which is what we keep on doing, right? Mm, that is so true. I mean, do you think that enough is being done, though, even though he didn't mention anything about, you know, SMMEs? So, so I think, I think Bertha, there's a couple of things that we need to take notice of. What concerns me is as a country, we are obsessing about um, uh, unemployment as the problem. But the reality is that unemployment is not the problem, it's the symptom of the problem. The problem is low growth, lack of stimulus, lack of business confidence. So there's not enough happening in the economy and the end goal of that is that we have unemployment. And so the problem, you know, as an entrepreneur, is when you start thinking from a supply side point of view rather than from a market point of view, you're really getting into trouble. So just in, in layman's terms, it's like the, everybody's worrying about the headache and trying to solve the, give the right headache pill, but nobody's stopping to say what is the cause of the headache. And could the, you know, um, how does the sluggish economic growth impact the SMME sector, though? Yeah, you see, the thing is, again, um, there's a lot of focus. Everyone's saying start a business, start a business. You know, entrepreneurs are going to be the solution. We're going to provide 90% of the jobs going into the future. But the fact is that if nobody's buying from the entrepreneurs, if you start a business and there isn't a market, um, you know, and there aren't people aren't buying from you, you're not going to be able to succeed. 
And so when you stimulate the economy, when there's improvement in confidence, so when there's in, you know, money investors coming in from the outside of the country, as there is in so many other African nations, or locally uh, business, big business feels confident to invest, um, then what you do is you create movement in the economy and then small businesses can feed off that. And could the does public, that make sense? It does make a lot of sense. It really, really does. And I mean, I mean looking at the uh, public procurement bill, do you think it could provide yes. us with, uh, you know, something exciting? Do you think that's our silver bullet? Um, you, you don't sound confident. And, and I think from my side, again, I mean, what is the Look, I don't want I think let's talk about that. And then let's talk about the opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think the public procurement bill is a great idea in theory. What I'm finding. So just last week, I was in a room with 60 fantastic entrepreneurs from all over South Africa. And uh, and the big challenges that they're facing, particularly out in the, some of the provinces like you know, KZN and Limpopo, is that, yes, in theory, there's all, all sorts of opportunities to purchase through or to sell um, into the municipalities. But there's this massive challenge of corruption. So the theory of the public procurement bill is that it's, in theory it works. It's, it's a good idea. But in practice, until we close the loop on corruption, it's going to be hugely difficult for small businesses because they're, 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 you know, the small businesses are the, the least empowered in that whole value chain. And so they then tend to uh, come off worse in, in negotiations um, at the municipal or even at corporate level. Um, but yeah, without corruption, without corruption being knocked on the head there, I think it's something that's probably not going to make an awful lot of difference. I don't know if you, what your feeling is about that. No, I, I don't see it because, you know, it's, it's quite interesting that uh, the finance minister actually allocated a lot of money, especially in the municipalities. And then, of course, coming with, you know, the procurement bill. And you're thinking rightfully what you're saying, because for you to even get access um, to be yeah. a supplier of anything, yeah. that process is just so tedious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's kind of a lottery. Um, and so what we recommend entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs that we work with all over the country. So just to just to make it clear in the listeners heads is that Fotola helps people to start, grow and scale successful businesses. That's our total mandate. So we're looking to find entrepreneurs that are really keen to grow. They have an opportunity. We help them to find a niche market to professionalize their services so that they really stand out for the, from the crowd and they can get access to, um, to markets and to build a successful business. But so, so we all know there are challenges. Yes, in theory, public procurement's a good idea, but in practice, it's hugely difficult. Um, and so what we recommend to all of our entrepreneurs is to diversify. So diversification is a really important um, an important strategy so that you're not just trying to chase one market. Um, I did want to just say that there is another thing that came up in the in the budget, and I, if I'm correct in the numbers, around 1.2 trillion rand is going to social to social support, and that's a huge opportunity. There's two huge opportunities in the market. That's one of them because at the moment, what's happening is that this huge amount of money is going into people's pockets and straight out to checkers or to boxer stores or to MTN, um, and maybe five rand in the hundred is going to purchase a local checker. Um, and, and until we can create um, economies where people are buying from each other, so the butchers buying from the bakers, buying from the brewer, um, it's only when that money circulates in the um, w- within the community that you actually get wealth building. And that's the role of small business. And so I think then that's something that we're really excited about. We've got uh, part, our partners, FNB and SAB. Um, SAB Foundation are doing some great work in stimulating those local economies because that's actually where growth can happen. 
And then the second opportunity is in the renewable, the renewable sector. Um, I'm, I think I'm correct in saying that South Africa's got the fastest growing renewable sector um, in the world at the moment. And so that's a huge opportunity. There's going to be big amounts of money invested by large corporates. And there's a great opportunity for small businesses to then service that, to service that industry. So there are two, there are two opportunities that we should be looking at as small business. Yeah. And then lot shedding, I mean, really, really is a hindrance to growth. So if you're doing your, pro, your, your production, um, every now and then it has to be stopped. And if it's not stopping, then you have a generator. Now you're having to use um, to cough up some funds into provide supplying yourself with, with power that was meant to have been supplied uh, by the government. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. That's a huge burden and um, with all of these things the small business is the most vulnerable so my suggestion uh, for for businesses out there where they can is to cluster um, and so to come together into production um, areas or into if you're a service business coming into um, um, into a business park so that as a collective you can afford to um, to to uh, to solve that so you not just one little generator but you rather say let's as a collective maybe there's five or ten businesses come together and say how could we um how could we invest on uh, on an alternative energy supply that actually works for all of us so that's one thing um yeah i mean the the, the the beauty about being entrepreneurs is this ability to be agile and to pivot but um yeah load shedding is a huge burden um on, on the economy for sure and where do we find more information catherine so um, people, are, uh, I'd love people to reach out. Um, just one thing, I've got a free uh, free webinar on um, on the on tr- the trends uh, coming up on the sixth of March, and so that's really saying if we look at what's happening locally and in the rest of the world, what are the five things that entrepreneurs need to know about and need to be dealing about? And so they're really, I invite people to come onto our website, um, satola.coza and uh, look on the events page and sign up there. And then otherwise, just sign up to our um, our um, ecosystem and get information on a, on a regular basis as to, you know, some tips and tips and tools as to how to get your business ahead. Um, because the thing in business is it's, it's about understanding who you are, really focusing on your niche market, showing how you can be different, and then professionalizing. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Jet Set Breakfast. Let's hope that in the near future, things will be slightly changed. Thanks, Bertha. And bye-bye for now. And still to come on our Thought Leaders section, performance management has anything really changed? Or oh, trust me, disruption has happened. And I'm talking. To, I'm going to be talking to Lindiwe Sebesho, um, past um, SARA president or SARA president and a master reward specialist, just to talk about, you know, the disruption that has come with uh, virtual working and uh, people not having to go into a building that is made out of mortar and brick and you do your work from you know remote what really does that mean for business is it working thought leaders storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on stories of the week and welcoming our guest lindy wesabesho good morning and welcome to jet set breakfast good morning Bertha. how are you interesting um, discussion you've just had now <laughs> 
I know, I know. SMMEs right now, small businesses, they are just mm. livid as we speak. But look, there's always, a, you know, some speck of light somewhere in, in some of these things. But coming to you, um, you we are talking about the, the disruption. COVID came yeah. with a different perspective of working, or should I say, a different way of working. How then do you manage an organization, an institution, a company? How do you measure your management? I mean, with such a very different way of working. Absolutely, Bertha. There's so much that has changed since COVID. And I think uh, what we say in the um, article that the South African Reward Association put out there is there's one process that organizations use to manage people's contribution to the overall strategy. And we know that currently productivity is a very, very important focus. So they use performance management. And there's been different variations of how we look at um, those processes that are are supposed to enable every employee in an organization to contribute. So there's been, as a result of the hybrid and or remote working, a lot more emphasis on trusting people to do their jobs um, wherever they are and making sure that they understand what these goals that the organization needs to achieve are and translating those into their respective roles that they fulfill. And obviously technology has come in very strongly there to make sure that there is a way of um, empowering people to work wherever they need to work, but at the same time holding them accountable for the outcomes and the results that their jobs require them to do. Mm. And, and what are some of the positivities that have come, come with these changes? I think from a um, way of management perspective, there's been less micromanagement um, of employees and more empowerment. Obviously, the clarity around what people need to be doing is very, very important. And we've seen that a lot of managers have at first struggled um, with leading teams that are in different locations and leading them in a way that they would have done when they were all physically located under uh, one building. We are also seeing, though, Bertha, that there is an emphasis on collaboration and there's questions now around whether remote work actually enables effective collaboration. So there are office uh, organizations that have um, emphasized the need for employees to come to the office and collaborate with each other as part of teams at least on a number of days um, during the week, whereas in the height of COVID, everybody obviously was working away and they had to collaborate virtually. So in a way, the change in management style is a positive. The appreciation of the fact that employees must be held accountable and employees themselves must um, be clear what it is that they need to be doing. There's clearer ways of measuring output as opposed to measuring business and activity. So we're seeing a lot more emphasis on things like um, OKRs, which is objectives and key results, or even key performance indicators, which were always there. But now there's a lot more emphasis on what needs to actually be achieved, which is more outcome-focused than was really activity-focused. Lots of organizations are also under a lot of uh, pressure to be efficient, and therefore they are making sure that they can do more with less and hence the emphasis on making sure that everybody is driving towards 
the same objectives, the same outcomes in a team structure that is obviously informed by the individuals and aligned to what the business strategy is. And we, you know, trying to also measure, um, you know, your the performances, isn't isn't that now a bit of a challenge? It is a challenge, but we've seen a lot of investment in the time uh, taken to actually define what the outputs are. So in the past, there would be, I think, less emphasis on the results that need to be achieved. But what we're seeing now is a lot more investment by management leadership and teams for that matter um, through processes like business planning, goal setting, and so on, to actually clarify that because it, it, it definitely used to be a challenge and not everybody would be on the same page around what results are we really working towards. Well, that's quite interesting to know. I've noticed, especially the banking system now, they have uh, a system whereby you work, I think it's two days uh, in the office and then three days remote. For me, I don't know, I'm a little, especially in the communication industry, it's it's just a little bit difficult to to work remote. I was so used to having, you know, where you have touch and feel and you're always in Mm. constant, you know, uh, constant communication with with your peers and and seeing someone and also seeing the physicality for some strange reason, you know, when you have eye contact, you are able to decode, um, you know, what really is happening, unlike when someone is talking to you virtually. But look, it is what it is. We are here now and we just have to deal with it. Absolutely, Bertha, you're right. And that's why I was saying earlier that the collaboration that you get from physical, in-person engagement is now being appreciated a lot more. I suppose we had to go through this transition, through this phase, because we thought technology was the answer or the panacea to everything. But we're realizing a lot more that the human element um, is just as important. And that's why the hybrid model seems to be um, the most common that a lot of organizations are have taken on, but a lot more are also now emphasizing the importance. I think there was one organization recently, Vodacom, that um, requires now all their senior leadership to be back in the office five days a week because it's really important to collaborate, set the right tone, and uh, be seen um, to be leading the organization and enabling and empowering and being out there to serve customers um, in, in, in more physical form. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I think a lot of organizations still love the hybrid model because there are employees from a talent and the skills scarcity perspective that are attracted to that level of flexibility. So it's a bit of a balance and each organization needs to look at what's best for them. Lindy, well, let's leave it at this point. Thank you so much for joining us in this conversation this morning. Awesome. Thank you so much, Peter, for the opportunity. Bye for now. Lindy Wesebesho, uh, past Sarah, South African Reward Association, president and a master reward specialist, chatting to us this morning. It's 8 o'clock and it's time for news. Independent and impartial.